0: Good day, everyone, and welcome to New Matter, the SLS podcast, where we interview life science luminaries. I'm your guest host for today, Andrew Napper. I'm director of Discovery Science at EberTech in Princeton, New Jersey. Today, we're chatting with Dr. Zach Gerard Levin, who's chief scientific officer of SamdiTech. Zach has served as chief scientific officer since June 2016. He brings more than 10 years of multidisciplinary research experience, got expertise in chemistry, biochemistry, cellular biology, and translational research. Zach was a pioneer user of SAMD technology and co-developed SAMD as a high throughput, label-free solution for drug discovery research. And we definitely want to hear more about that later. But just before we get to that, I just wanted to kind of give you a little more background. Zach's a doctorate in chemistry from the University of Chicago. He completed a postdoctoral fellowship at the Curie Institute in Paris and was a research scientist there until 2016 when he joined Tech. He's done research in epigenetics, drug discovery, and diagnostic projects in oncology, authored numerous articles, and been awarded multiple research grants. So uh, a lot in, in uh, the time that Zach's been in science, so really looking forward to hearing more, more about that. So welcome, Zach.
1: Thank you, Andrew, for that introduction. I think you actually answered all of the questions already. That was
0: <laughs> well, hopefully not. Just wanted to give a bit of background. But uh, uh, no, I think, we, I think there's a lot more we can could, we could learn about you. It's been a very interesting uh, uh, career path you had so far. But before we get to that, I wanted to, um, wanted to start off with um, something that's becoming become a bit of an SLS tradition on these podcasts. And that is the challenge that we're going to put out to you. Describe your your role in Zambi Tech in 10 words or less. What do you do on a typical
1: day for them? Absolutely. Zambi Tech is a service provider that offers one-of-a-kind technologies to accelerate drug discovery.
0: Okay. Well, that's a good place to start. There's left a lot of scope for uh, additional uh, detail there, which, of course, we asked you for any 10 words. So you gave that. I want to get back into that a little bit later. But I thought, before we do that, I would really... Interested to kind of can I go back a bit and uh, really curious, what led you into science initially?
1: You know, I, I still remember my high school sophomore chemistry teacher, Mrs. Sheldoni. And there was just something about her, the way that she taught that class, that was different than anything I had experienced. And I immediately felt a, a connection to, to chemistry. And I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to work in a lab in high school over the summers at at Tufts Med School uh, in Boston for Dr. William Bichochin. And that was an experience that really solidified my passion for science, designing experiments, trying to understand the the unknown. So I really got started in that graduate school experience quite early, and it was something that I knew that was the direction I wanted to pursue.
0: Wow, that's a great story. It's really... uh... Gratifying to hear stories like that, where where you were really truly inspired by a particular teacher. I think I think uh, you know there's there's uh, many many of us I know myself included as well. You know oh. Oh a lot to uh, you know, certain teachers that really inspired us in certain directions. So that's great to hear. So so you so you went to yeah, so you, you see, grew up in Boston, the Boston area then I guess?
1: I did. Big yeah. Patriots fan, Red Sox fan, Just <laughs> Weekend, weekends, but we don't need to talk about that.
0: Either. All right, yeah. That's topic for another time. Uh so uh, yeah, so you grew up in Boston and then you went then you you went to um uh I so see you were at Johns Hopkins and then and then you went to Chicago for your for your PhD
1: work, right? That's correct, yes. Yeah.
0: So then I'm really interested, then, sort of, then what prompted you then to move from there to to Paris? You did a postdoc and then spent some time there as a research scientist as well.
1: Yeah, it comes down to the opportunity. And I remember as a graduate student, when I was working with Milan Merksich at the University of Chicago, I had an opportunity to attend a chromosome dynamics Gordon conference in Italy absolutely beautiful location. And for a graduate student, this was my first experience in networking with a global community in an intimate environment, really a small group. So you really have the opportunity to discuss with faculty members, even some industry professionals, along with other graduate students and postdocs from around the world. And I had the opportunity to meet and discuss with Jean-Vier Valmousny, who's a professor at the Curie Institute in Paris, who invited me to visit her lab and present my work after seeing my poster presentation at this Gordon conference? And so that was the opportunity for me to build on that grad school experience where I was focused more on the chemistry side of chromatin biology, where I was developing uh, label free assays to measure histone deacetylase activity using the SAMD technology. And now to go to a lab that was more of a cellular biology. Approach to chromatin biology and epigenetics to really augment my skill set. And I'll tell you, Andrew, that was one of the best decisions of my life moving to Paris.
0: Well, that's uh, we're very happy to hear that. Uh, in what sense? Scientifically, culturally, both? What were the real things that you kind of took from that, that time you spent in Paris?
1: It was incredibly rewarding. Everything from the scientific side, where I would sit in lab meetings every week. And you look around the room and dozens of countries are represented in terms of the other faculty or postdocs and students. And you just have this global connection that, at least for me, I didn't necessarily have prior to to this experience. And the other opportunity, especially in Europe, is you can move around quite easily with the, the train network. And so I attended numbers of meetings, conferences, even got to present once in French was a struggle and was able to get through it. I'm not sure how much anyone really understood what I was saying, but at least you know, I was able to get through that presentation. But also culturally, I mean, this is a, something that a lot of US-based students in science don't always get that opportunity, right? You grow up in the US, you do science in the US, you stay in the US. And there is a lot to learn. I believe, from going into a different culture and understanding how they approach science uh, and really seeing the type of work that's out there. It's high quality, it's innovative, creative. And even some of my best friends now are still in Paris. Mm. So it was a holistic, comprehensive, amazing experience. Oh, that's that's great. That's really great to hear.
0: So interesting there, you were talking about kind of, you know, they kind of touched on some Kind of aspects of communication, kind of specifically communication of science, but also just kind of generally. Do you think? Sounds like maybe that's one of the things that you really took from that. It kind of broadened your perspective of different approaches to science, and uh, you know, so perhaps that's something that that everybody should uh, aspire to to spend some time out of their comfort zone like that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I definitely would advocate if anyone has an opportunity, whether you're an undergrad and thinking about doing an overseas study abroad or even grad school, if you have the opportunity to collaborate with a foreign country, another, another lab somewhere and take the time to go and experience that lab, definitely take that opportunity. I, I truly believe that it's an experience that you will not forget.
0: All right. So that's all very positive. Was there any, anything that's kind of in hindsight you would want to be better prepared for? Any kind of real challenges
1: that you, you, uh, you know, encountered? I think one of the, the challenges is it's something that comes when you go from one set where you're incredibly comfortable to another situation where you're not 100% comfortable. I went to France without a true French background or really any understanding of the language. So, that was a little bit of a challenge at first, not just in the lab, but also getting around and grocery shopping and trying mm-hmm. to explain how you want your haircut. You know, it can be challenging. And for me, it was one of those things that just made me even more committed to learning the language, mm-hmm. more dedicated to becoming a local there mm-hmm. and not just another American expat in Paris. Yeah, great advice.
0: So, then the question. In the then. So, how, how did you then end up back in the US? How did you end
1: up back at Tech? What, what, what led to that? It's a great question. There, there got to a point where I was starting to think okay, what's next in my scientific career? And I had accomplished the goal that I had set early on to develop a skill set that was on the chemistry and now the biology side. And I really wanted to apply that. And I started thinking about different industry jobs or even thinking about the academic setting. And it ended up being really good timing because the company Tech, which was originally founded in 2011, was now at a point where somebody that had a foundation of surface chemistry, the Sambi technology itself, but could also communicate to other biotech and pharma companies on the biology side of drug discovery, that was something that, that was needed. And so it was really a great timing where I was looking to transition to a new opportunity Samdi Tech was looking to bring somebody on with my experience. And so it was a, it was a great match. And, and like I said, the timing was perfect.
0: Great. Right. So, do you think that your experience, your kind of you know, deep research experience in Paris, do you think that's what really kind of
1: um, made that such a great fit that you had that background as well? Absolutely. And it was a fit both for the company, but also for me. So, mm. it gave me the opportunity to continue to learn and expand my, my skill set. Where I could talk to dozens of companies and work with hundreds of targets and various disease pathologies. And so I just feel like this is an opportunity where every day I still get to learn something new. I get to communicate with talented scientists all over the world. In fact, use that network that I developed in Europe and abroad and expand our partners and collaborators here at SAMD Tech. So it was really a great experience and kind of a uh, a collaborative everyone you know wins in this situation great so you yeah i
0: mean you've described some you know kind of really exciting things that really uh, you know meant a lot to you personally is there any kind of any one kind of particular milestone in your research or any professional accomplishment that you you feel is the kind of the most exciting that you kind of would want to highlight
1: absolutely and this is one of my favorite aspects of my job now at, at sandy tech is that every day we have companies come to us with challenging biological problems, often presenting us with targets that are intractable using traditional drug discovery methods. And because Sandy Tech is unique in that we're the only commercial source of the Sandy technology, we have an opportunity to solve problems using this one-of-a-kind technology and really open up avenues for new therapeutic opportunities. So Disease pathologies or any diseases that may have been kind of stalled in that drug discovery space because of a lack of suitable assays, we've been able to offer solutions using the SAMBI technology to now give hope to a lot of those either orphan or more challenging disease models in in oncology and beyond. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thinking even beyond that, once these projects are done, something I like to keep in mind is ultimately the goal here is to improve healthcare, to help the patients. And that's something that I keep in mind every day, even though we're still at the very first step of drug discovery. The goal here is how do we make life better for these patients? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So can you describe the SAMD technology kind of briefly for kind of an informed layperson? What exactly
1: does it entail? Sure. So SAMD is an acronym and it stands for self-assembled monolayer desorption ionization. And so it combines self-assembled monolayers of alkane thiolates on gold and these have been tools that have been used a, a number of years for many different approaches and George Whitesides, Milan Merch and some of the original users of, of these tools but combining it with MALDI TOF or matrix assisted laser desorption ionization mass spec. And so the combination of this surface chemistry with the mass spectrometry enables us to do high-throughput experiments in a label-free format. That means no radioactivity, no fluorescent reporters. You're just looking at the mass of that analyte. So that gives higher confidence in data. It allows us to do it faster. It drives and accelerates drug discovery. And it's, it's really a, a true innovation that just continues to expand and the capabilities continue to build. So if it's on a surface, then is, is this kind of an array that's
0: where multiple you analyze multiple uh, analytes simultaneously? I mean, what is it that actually gives the, the high throughput?
1: Right. So the SAMD technology is a surface, but it's essentially used for high throughput enrichment. So reactions are still run in well plates. Kinetics that you would see in a traditional format still are at play with the SAMD technology. What it allows us to do is enrich the analyte of interest onto a surface by tailoring mm. that surface chemistry and then applying a, a step that removes anything that's not that analyte of interest, anything that's not specifically immobilized to that SAMD biochip. And as you mentioned, Andrew, these are in arrays. So imagine a 384 or 1536 or 6144 plates with spots, each one presenting a monolayer. That is used to enrich these analytes. And then it goes into a MALDI top mass spec. And, and MALDI is now at the point where you can read several spots per second. Mm. So analyzing a half million compounds in a day is now the, the throughput with this approach. And I'll, I'll tell you, Andrew, that the biggest benefit with SAMD over a traditional MALDI or even some of these other mass spec approaches is the fact that you can optimize your reaction according to the needs of the target if it needs detergent, if it needs salt, if it needs carrier proteins or organic additives, all of those components are perfectly amenable with the Sambi technology, but are not amenable with standard mass spec instrumentation due to ion suppression. So you don't have to make sacrifices to do your science with Sambi technology. Technology mm. is truly really an enabling approach.
0: All right. Well, thank you. That helps to explain that certainly for me. <laughs> so just kind of pivoting a little bit then, I, I'm curious that so... You know we 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 all, of course, you know we've all you know you've you've had an exciting, exciting career yourself, obviously not over yet, but uh, you know it's a very exciting so far. What advice would you give to the next generation of scientists that are you know coming up through you know even going back to you know high school degree, you know graduate school? interested in, you know, any areas, aspects of assay t- technology, screening, automation, data science, you know, all the things that, that are important to us. I mean, what, what advice would you give to them to really make the most of a career in, in uh, these areas of science?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, especially now in the COVID world, how younger scientists just at the start of their career, or as you mentioned, even in high school, can get opportunities to get their hands on doing automation or doing experiments. So my advice is to find opportunities. If you can do it in person, obviously safely uh, in the COVID environment, take those opportunities. Try something new. Look around at webinars. If you have to travel, figure out ways to really pursue what makes you happy in science. Follow that passion. And don't be afraid to ask Go on LinkedIn, find people that are doing things that you love and see how he or she got into it and maybe expand your network to the point where you would have these opportunities to get your hands on it. It's gonna be a time where I would really encourage kind of that self-starter attitude, right? Mm -hmm. Especially now, things are not gonna be handed out. It's gonna take a little bit of, of work to get these opportunities, but they are out there and I really would encourage the, the younger scientific community to take those opportunities.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, work to find those opportunities and then follow the passion, follow your passion. I, I like that. So then just to wrap up, so you've been, I know you've been very, very involved with, with SLAS in the past. What are the things that you're looking forward to with SLAS, either at a personal level, you know, sort of new networking opportunities or things that
1: you're excited to see the science, you know, directions you're excited to see in society?
0: go in? Mm -hmm.
1: The SLAS and working with SLAS has been one of my... Another favorite uh, activity here at Tech. So I've been to the last uh, four uh, conferences, both in San Diego and also Washington, DC. I have to say, there's nothing better than going to San Diego in January coming from (laughs) Chicago. And it's been just a real... Pleasure, all of those experiences, not just from the SAMDitech side, but as you mentioned, Andrew, the opportunity to network with scientists all over again. It's that same passion and same positive experience I got being in Europe. Now I get to do it at SLAS at these conferences because of that global network. And I had the opportunity to participate in the Barcelona meeting. I'd been invited to speak at the Vienna meeting. So I'm hoping that things go well and we'll be able to do that in person. Also, with the understanding that we may not be. But I do look forward to continuing to build working with SLAS. I've volunteered and will continue to volunteer. But I think it's a fantastic organization. Everything from the bigger companies, the mid-sized companies, the academics, but also for those younger scientists to mm-hmm. be exposed to what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Zach. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Really uh, great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And thanks so much for your time and your continued
1: involvement in SLAS. Thank you, Andrew. It's been fun.